Today we're going to uh, we're going to start looking at the Lord's Prayer. Last week we talked about prayer a little bit, uh, and this week we're going to dive into the Lord's Prayer. And so um, this week, if you would, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter six, uh, we're going to look at verses nine through ten. And um, we're going to take this Lord's Prayer and kind of dissect it. I remember we were talking about this in our staff meeting. We were talking about, or I should say, we were, we were planning on the message here, CJ and I. Uh, and Kyle, I believe, was part of it too. And we were sitting there talking. I remember uh, as a kid growing up playing football, we would recite the Lord's Prayer before every game. I don't know why, but that's what we did, right? You know, right before we'd go out on the field, we would recite the Lord's Prayer. Once you start studying the Lord's Prayer, you kind of look at those contexts a lot of times that we use it, and you're like, uh, I'm not so sure that fits. <laughs> uh, you know, I look back in the days when we played football in the locker room reciting Lord's Prayer. I'm like, yeah, this, I, as I look back, I'm like, I, I don't see the fit, you know. And, and it's very interesting when you read the Lord's Prayer because essentially when you dissect it apart, what the Lord's Prayer really deals with is God's name, God's will, in God's kingdom. Actually, God's kingdom could come second. But those are the three things that the Lord's, prayer de- the Lord's Prayer deals with. It deals with God's name, who God is. It deals with His kingdom and His will. It really doesn't have a lot to do for us, per se. It's about God and God fulfilling Himself in and through us. And so as we look at this passage that we're going to look at today, we're just going to take a look at the first, couple, or the first verse here. And it says this, it says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I'll be honest with you. We started planning to talk about this message. We could have stopped on our Father in heaven. I mean, we could spend weeks on the Lord's Prayer. It is so powerful. And the weight of it, the enormity of it, is very, very powerful, very heavy. But we're going to take a look at these uh, two verses here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you would spend time just thinking about that and just kind of looking at it, there is a lot of what your, your, that request right there is absolutely huge, as we're going to discover today. That request right there is not just some prayer that we just kind of recite thoughtlessly or just kind of say before a dinner or say here or there. You know, it has extreme weight to it as we're going to see. You're literally calling upon God's name and you're saying, God, what, hallowed be your name. How, so let's take the first one, or let's take the first, actually the first will be our Father in heaven. Let's take a look at that. So the very first thing that we're doing is we're petitioning God the Father in heaven. Now last week we talked about this. We talked about that when we pray that as believers we have this incredible opportunity that I think a lot of times we take for granted and we really don't spend time dwelling on it, thinking about it. But when you think about the work that was done on the cross, you and I now have this incredible opportunity to literally enter into the presence of God the Father. Our Father in heaven. We have this ability to enter into the presence of God the Father in His domain. It's very powerful. Because we're not talking, I mean, we're talking just, you know, in the Old Testament time where there was complete separation between man and God the Father. 
Remember we talked about the, the, the uh, curtain being torn down last week? We talked about that there was this separation between man and God. God can, man could never come into the presence of God because if man came into the presence of God, he would die automatically. And throughout Scripture, you read stories where man would come in contact with God, whether it be he touched the Ark of the Covenant or he went into the presence of the Ark of the Covenant or he was in, the, in a place where he shouldn't be or he, whatever it is, man would literally crumble and fall to death because God is so holy. He is so holy. He is so distinct. He is so different and unique than man. And so when man would come into the presence of God, man could not stand the presence of God. When I say man, I'm talking about men and women. I'm talking about mankind. And so he would come into the presence of God. He would, he would, he would literally die. Through the work of Jesus Christ, that separation has been eradicated. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are able to enter into the presence of God. This is Absolutely enormous stuff, if I could use the word stuff. These, it's, it's when we lose sight of this incredible blessing is when our lives become mediocre and really just kind of cathartic in front, or, or, or come, come displacent in front of God. Through the work of Jesus Christ, we are now able to enter literally to the presence of God the Father and present our Father in heaven, our requests, our prayers. It means that we can direct, through Jesus we go directly through Him. All of His promises, all the promises that we read about in Scripture are fulfilled in this new eternal covenant in Jesus Christ. We've become His, His people and He is our God. We are not just, and, and, and this is the issue, if you are not a child of God, you cannot enter into the presence of God. The question becomes, well, can, can God hear the prayer of a sinner? No, He can't. The only prayer that He could hear of a sinner would be someone saying, God, please forgive me. I accept Your free gift of grace and mercy and salvation. My life is now Yours. That is really the only prayer of, uh, uh, that God can hear. Prayer is a, a, an opportunity for a child of God to come into His presence. God can only hear His children, which means if you're not a child of God, you're a child of Satan. There's no other gray area. It's one or the other. You're either one of his children or you're the children, a child of Satan. And he's not going to answer the prayers of sinners. So as we are born again, we are born into this family. We are spiritually born again. We are born into this family. He is now our Father, so we pray to Him as our Father. Now, here's where it gets sticky for some of us. Some of us have had really rocky childhoods. Okay? For some of us, some of you sitting here this morning, you look at your father here on earth, your earthly father, and, and, and there, the, it creates this huge chasm or dichotomy because you experience this, this awful, may have experienced this awful negative experience with your father here on earth, and, for, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a struggle, it's a leap to trust your father in heaven because what you do is you project this earthly experience onto, uh, onto God the Father in heaven. And so for some of us, that is a huge leap. It's a struggle. 
But as we learn, as we read through Scripture, as we, as we look and as God reveals Himself to us, God is such a Father that is completely and vastly different than the, than the experiences that we have here on earth. He is our Heavenly Father. He is there to... He, he provides for us, as we're going to see throughout this prayer, but He provides for us. He leads us. He comforts us. He gives us His presence, which we're going to talk about within His name. So the question becomes in this first one, our Father in Heaven, the question is simply this, is He your Father? Is He your Father? Has there been a moment in your life where God has extended His free gift of grace and salvation? You said, yes, I receive that. And now you're part of His family. He is your Father. That is one of the biggest questions, if not the biggest questions, you will answer in your life. Is God, this, is He your Heavenly Father through His Son, through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ? And so the first thing that we read about in this prayer is, we are praying to our Father in Heaven. And he is, an, a, he is a Father that, 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 that goes way beyond anything we've experienced here. A Father that blesses us. A Father that knows our needs. A Father that will always be there to protect us. And, and, and the list goes on with all these blessings from having Him as our Father in Heaven. Our Father in Heaven. Coming into His presence through His Son, Jesus Christ. The second one is this, hallowed be your name. Now there's a word we don't use too much uh, in our daily lives, right? Hallowed. I don't know if you guys use that on a regular basis, but I don't. Hallowed be your name. What does that mean? It means that we are to honor His name. Hallowed means holy. It means honor, to revere, to glorify His name above all things. His name is holy. His name is above all other names, as we will read in the New Testament, where Paul writes and says that one day Jesus, that every knee will bow to Jesus Christ. Correct? One day, one day, every knee will bow to Jesus Christ and confess that He is Lord. His name is above all other things, all other names. It is holy. It is distinct. It is set apart. It is sanctified. It is. It is something that is sacred. It is something that is completely different than any other name we will ever experience. Now, when we take a look at names, names carry a lot of weight and mean a lot of things. How many of you ever, you know, we, we, we talk about taking God's name in vain. You know, and some people say, well, this is how, what it means to take God's name in vain. You say these words together. Or you may say Jesus Christ in a very sacrilegious way, and that's taking God's name in vain. And so a lot of times we, we, we think about that. We don't take His name in vain. We don't pair up God with other words, or we don't say His Son's name in a sacrilegious way because that's taking His name in vain. And that's, those, that is true. But there's something even above and beyond that as well. I should say, or I don't know about above and beyond, but in addition to that, then that is this. When we take on the name of Christian, when we say that we are a follower of Jesus Christ, that our Father in Heaven, that, that God is our Father, that He is my Father, and I'm part of this spiritual family now, do you realize that when we take upon the name of a Christian, we take upon His name, and when we bring disjustice or when we bring shame to His name, that's what it literally means to, 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 to take God's name in vain. For instance, my last name is Rubel. And if I would go out into, into, into my world and I would bring shame to the Rubel name, that's, what it would mean. that's kind of equivalent to bringing shame or taking my name or taking my last name in vain. I'm bringing shame to it. I'm bringing shame to the, to, to the, to the name of my family. That's what it means to take his name in vain as well. 
is when we profess Christianity, but in reality, we don't really bear much fruit. In reality, there's nothing really much different than us. And so we go out and we live a life that's really not different than anyone else's. And what happens is we're we're taking God's name in vain. Because His name is so holy, it's so distinct. Do you realize that in the, Old, in the Old Testament, God's name, they often refer to God as Yahweh. And how you spell Yahweh, if you go to this next, uh, this next slide, slide, Jehovah, I am Yahweh, they actually left the vowels out of the, the, the word Yahweh. Okay, they just had consonants. And to the point to where they wouldn't even, they didn't interject the vowels into that name. And then there came a point to where in the Old Testament they wouldn't even say Yahweh. You know why they wouldn't say Yahweh? Because His name was so holy, they were petrified that they would take it in vain or they would say it the wrong way and they would, affect, they would, they would bring vain against God or shame against His name. They were Because they viewed His name as being so holy, they wouldn't even pronounce it. Now that's a pretty serious posture to have before a holy God, isn't it? They recognized that this Jehovah was so powerful that they didn't even want to take His name and say it in a way that, that, that might bring, it, bring, him, bring Him shame. They were scared to death of even saying His name. How about the story when we look uh, in the Old Testament? Remember the story of Moses? and um, Moses comes up onto the burning bush. Remember that whole story? And the burning bush is not, it's, it's on fire, but it's not, the fire's not consuming it. So obviously it intrigues him. He walks up and he has this encounter with God. He has this encounter with Yahweh. And he comes up and the bush starts to talk to him. And, 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 and he, they, you know, as you get into that whole story, God is inviting Moses into this, into this, uh, um, this, this journey that's going to deliver God's people out of Egypt where he says, I've heard the groanings of my people and, and I'm going to be, begin to build my nation. And he you know, kind of refers back to the covenant he made with Abraham. And so he has this conversation with Moses. Remember that whole story where Moses says, well, who am I? You know, who am I to lead these people? I've got this going on. I've got that going on. Or, you know, how, how are they going to believe me? And then he comes down to this question. And the question is, who do I say sent me? When I go to your people, when I go to these Hebrews, and I tell them I'm going to lead you out of Egypt, who is it that I say is telling me to do this? And what does God say? I am. Well, that's a funny name. I am. And in that name, when he says, I am, I am means I am, I will always be, this is who I am. It carried such weight, such enormity that God says, I'll tell you who you tell that sent you. I am has sent you. That I am carried so much weight throughout the Old Testament, and we've talked about this before, but when you go over into the New Testament and Jesus starts saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the life. Seven times Jesus refers to himself as I am. The church went ballistic. Because what he was doing was, he was putting himself on the same level as God, which is who he was. But Jesus was saying, he was going back to that Old Testament reference saying, I am. I am. I am the one and only God. I am who I will always be. I will never change. I am who I am. His name becomes um, also how we encounter him. When you look through, and I just 
I just pulled a few out of the Old Testament. But when you look, uh, when you look throughout the Old Testament and you look into the lives of people who experienced God, God would take on, they would refer to God as different names because that's how they encountered God. El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. Men and women would experience God in such a powerful way that they would literally name Him the way they encountered Him. This is the Lord God Almighty. Others were El Elon, the Most High God. Adonai, Lord, Master. Yahweh, which was Lord Jehovah. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. Jehovah Raha, the Lord, my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. The, uh, Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Uh, uh, Jehovah Sadiknu, the Lord, our righteousness. Others, the Lord who sanctifies. Elohim, uh, everlasting God. Elohim, God. Uh, the, uh, another was uh, the jealous God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Remember that song you used to sing if you've been in church for a long time, that Jehovah Jireh song, that real jiggy song that you sing? And what it was, I mean, you know, I think a lot of times we miss out, we miss. We, we, we lose the context in which we do things. That song, Jehovah Jireh, literally means the Lord will provide. Because He always has. The Lord will provide. He is God. He is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. And it's when we truly encounter Him that He becomes our Father. In a sense, God, God allows us to enter into His presence. God allows us to encounter Him. And as we encounter Him, He becomes the God in the way we've encountered Him. Some of you are sitting in here this morning and you've had moments, let's say in your physical lives, where, where some, you had a bad diagnosis or a very scary diagnosis and you reached out and you prayed to God and you asked God to heal you or you asked God to get you through this particular physical dark valley and God showed up. And to you, that's how you've encountered God. God is my healer. God healed me. God brought me through a very dark time. Some of you have been through economic times where you've had to lean on God and you've said, or we should always be leaning on God, but there's times where you went through and you said, if God does not show up, I don't know how things are going to, I don't know how ends are going to meet. I don't know how things are going to happen here. And God showed up and now God is, you, you have this deeper experience and encounter of God because God is your provider. Some of you have had enemies rise up against you in relationships or co-workers or, or whoever it may be where someone persecuted you in some form or fashion. And instead of retaliating, you said, God, I can't deal with this. Only you can deal with this. And so God began to work things out and you trusted implicitly on God and God became your God Almighty. You see what happens when we truly experience Him? His name becomes so much different. He is the God in heaven. He is the most holy God, the God in heaven. And you experience His name in a very holy way, a very personal way. And you encounter Him in a way like you've never encountered Him before. And consequently, you begin to understand Him so much at a deeper level and so much more at an intimate level. Do you see what happens when we encounter God that we're able to come into His presence then? 
We begin to realize as we encounter Him and experience Him that, that, that He is our true Father, that He will show up, that He will provide, that He will take care of the things that's persecuting me. Or go back and read the Psalms of David where David was pressed in against his enemies and he cried out and he said, God will deliver me. God has delivered me. And he, he would just begin to write all these songs of how everlasting God is and how powerful God is and how holy is God's name. Well, that's our prayer to God as we come in to the Father, into His presence, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be Your name. God, You are so holy. God, You're so powerful. God, You're such you're my banner. You're my shepherd. When I went through this really dark moment in my life, you led me through it. And even though it was horrible, you brought me to this other space where now I'm able to just kind of feed and relax and just kind of experience you in a very intimate way. That's what it means that when we truly can experience and understand Him and His name takes on new meanings. The third thing I want to share with you is your kingdom come. And this is where this prayer really takes on, well, I shouldn't say really takes on, the whole thing is extremely deep. But this is where, as you see how it all builds together, as we understand who our Father is in heaven, as we understand how holy He is and how, how holy His name is, and, and that we can actually approach Him, we come to Him and we pray and we say, you know what, God? You know what, God? Things are broken around me. You know what, God? Things are absolutely in a disarray in my life. And I can't fix them. And you know what? I'm tired of trying to fix these things within my life. I'm, try, I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of trying to fix things at the horizontal level where I think that at a, from a human perspective that I can fix them. And at some point you say this, you know what? This isn't working out well for me. I live in a broken world and this is not working out well for me whatsoever. And you begin to have this true heart change within you where you say this, your kingdom come. Do you realize how humble of a statement that is? Because what you're acknowledging is that what's around you is broken and, it is, and you are a absolute speck in all of this and there's no way anything can be fixed by you or by anybody else and you begin to say you know what your kingdom is much grander than this your kingdom is so vast your kingdom is so perfect your kingdom is put together your kingdom is where i'm going to experience life and life to the fullest and you begin to pray father my our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Because our politicians aren't going to... They're not going to fix this around here. The, our government's not going to fix what's going on around here. All this stuff that's taking place cannot be fixed by anybody else. So here's a thought. God, may your kingdom descend down upon this place. What that is... It, you, you begin to experience, God, you have this, this incredible heart paradigm shift to where you are implicitly trusting in Him and you're saying, your way is so much better. <laughs> your way is so much better. There's no way that we could ever make this the way it should be. It's a complete surrender and a sign of humility where you come to Him and you're saying, Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And then it's followed up with this. Your will 
be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now you see where this prayer starts taking a turn to where you start looking at and you're saying, I prayed this prayer before a football game. <laughs> Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now picture this. I'm on, I've got my uniform on. We're, kneeled, we're kneeling. We've got, we got a knee down in our locker room. We're praying this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What in the world does that mean in the context of a football game? Unless God really roots for my team. And he really wants us to win. The only problem is, what if the other team's praying the same prayer? Now we've got a stalemate, right? Your kingdom come. And your will be done. Because God... Our will, our will is not cutting it around here. Your will be done. Everything that's happening in heaven right now, bring that to earth. Your kingdom manifest itself here on earth and let your will be done. What is happening in heaven, let that happen right here on earth right now. Guys, you know what's happening in heaven right now? Let me share something with you. What's happening in heaven right now is this. I'm not sitting on the throne and everybody's revolving around me. You're not sitting on the throne where everybody's revolving around you. Governments aren't sitting on the throne where everybody's revolving around that throne. I've shared this with you before. I remember one of my classic statements that my father used to give me a lot growing up was, you do realize this universe doesn't revolve around you, right? Which I was like, yeah, it's broken. It should be, right? You know? but, but that's what this prayer is saying. This prayer is saying that what is happening in heaven... We want to descend down and happen on earth right now. What's happening in heaven right now is God the Father is seated on His throne. His Son is seated next to Him. There are angels that have been created that all they do constantly, 24-7, is literally sing holy, holy, holy. Everything is centered around God. Everything is centered around the Lamb that was broken, the Lamb that was persecuted, the Lamb that died on the cross and was raised and conquered death to be able to give us, to be able to give me salvation, to be able to give you salvation. And what's happening in heaven is this, the, I think these, this reverberating sound is Isaiah experience where everybody and everything is bowing down to God and saying, Holy, holy, holy are you. Your kingdom, man, your kingdom is where it's taking place. Your kingdom is where it's happening. And this prayer is saying, God, you are seated high in your throne. You, you hold everything together. You are in control regardless of my finite brain can't understand it. You are seated at the center of this universe. You created all things. May your will come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand how powerful that prayer is? That is a complete prayer of humility. It's a complete prayer of contriteness. As I said before, this whole prayer centers on three things. His name, His kingdom, His will. Nothing about us per se. It's all about God. And when we come to the Father in this powerful prayer, we're saying, Father, based upon You, Your will be done. Descend and manifest Your kingdom here on earth. That is a very powerful prayer because it removes us from every aspect of the center and places God completely and implicitly in the center of that and by the way guys we know as we read the scriptures that one day that's exactly what's going to happen whether we acknowledge it or not in the, right now we will at one point every knee will bow
Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's going to happen one time. You've heard it before. It's going to happen one day or the other. Whether we do it now or whether we do it later, we will all confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The question becomes, where are we going to spend eternity after that? So the question becomes, are you one of His children? And not just something that you've inherited through your family, through your grandparents or your mom or whatever, your, 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 your parents, but the question becomes, are you part of His family? Is God your Father? Is, the, is your heavenly Father residing in heaven right now? Are you part of His family? Because if you are, you have this incredible opportunity to enter into the presence of God Himself through the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and literally converse with God the Father. As the worship team comes back, we're going to we're going to close again with a couple songs here, but I want to share with you, if you I want you to turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 3. And there are many 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 scriptures, stories within the within the Bible that illustrates what I'm one just one simple or illustrates that the power of God's name but I want you to take a look at this. As we were planning this service, uh, this kind of came to my mind real quick, and I thought it was just, just really powerful and be a great illustration for us. In Acts chapter 3, Christ has already ascended back into heaven. He's already died. He's already been crucified. And he's, the resurrection has taken place, and He ascends back into heaven. And in this story, we pick up where Peter and John are going about the temple. If you look in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, Now Peter and John were going about to the temple, they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. And they say this, look at us. And when they say that, guys, I just can imagine the, the, the conviction. The conviction that Peter and John had, because they're getting ready to spell this out for this guy, and they had, I, I can just sense this conviction that they have to saying, look at us. And, he, and listen to what they say. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said this, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give you. And listen to what he says. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took up him by the right hand, and, and he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up he stood and he began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the, temp at, of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement and what had happened to him. The point I'm trying to make is this. There is power in the name. There is power just in the name of Jesus Christ. There is power in his name. Peter and John looks at this guy and they say, "I don't have what you may think you be what you think you really need. These these alms that you're looking for, what you think you need, I don't have. But the one thing that I can give you is the name of Jesus Christ. 
And as they gave the name of Jesus Christ, the man was miraculously healed. He gets up, and this is what always happens when we truly experience and encounter God. We begin to praise and worship Him. Do we understand that that is what we're called to do? That's what we've been created to do, is to give God glory. And when we truly encounter God, we give Him glory. We praise Him. We worship Him because there's really nothing else you can do, right? You're moved. You're into His presence. You've been shifted. Your paradigm has been ultimately shifted. You're changed. And you begin to worship and give God praise. And I love what happens because, guys, this is what happens when men and women encounter God other people begin to experience something. Because as they go into the temple asking for alms, or the, the people recognize that this was the guy who was at the temple gate asking for and it says this in the last verse there, and they were filled with what? Wonder. What's the NIV? If you guys have the NIV, what's it say? And they were filled with what? Wonder and amazement. I got the ESV. They were filled. Who? They? Other people. They looked at this and they saw this guy who had been a cripple, who had been lame. Now he's jumping around, praising God and worshiping God. And now what's happening on the internal, which is what we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks, what happens on the internal comes out and affects the, affects the external. This guy is leaping and praising God. He's experienced the name of Jesus Christ. He has encountered God. He now is part of the family of God. And he is filled with wonder, or the people, because they see this, are filled with wonder and amazement as what has happened to him. Our Father who art in heaven, your name is most holy. Your name is above all names. Your kingdom come. Father, it's not about me. It's about you. Your kingdom come. And your will be done. Not mine. Not ours, not anyone else around us, but Father, your, your kingdom come, your will be done. Whatever's happening in heaven right now, would you please manifest that here, right now, on earth? What a powerful prayer. And that's just the first two verses of this prayer. I pray that as we, as we we're going to um, sing a song right now, and I pray that you would just respond the way God wants you to respond. Maybe you have never responded to God's name. I just want to say this, guys. I don't, God, if you're here right now, and you've heard this message, you've been, you're set through the service, you are not here by accident. You're not here by coincidence. I believe that you're here for a specific reason. And if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, you're here to give Him praise and glory. This isn't about you. It's about you coming into the... And you hear this and you say, absolutely, God, you are most holy. I praise you. I worship you. If you're sitting in here this morning and you've been dodging this, and God, I'm telling you this, God is pursuing you now out of His unconditional love, out of His huge amounts of grace and mercy. He is calling out to you. He's pursuing you, saying, I love you. I want you to be part of my family. Well, God, you don't know what I've done. You don't know all these things. Absolutely, He does. Psalm 139 says there's nowhere we could go and hide from God. But yet, out of His grace and mercy, He knows all these things, and He's pursuing you with this relentless love. Today's the day He wants you to be a part of His family so that you can come into His presence 
And it's only through Jesus Christ. I want to be very clear on this, guys. There's not multiple ways. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And through Jesus Christ, His Son, God is relentlessly pursuing you. As we close our time here, I don't know how God wants you to respond as a believer, as a child of His. Maybe you're far away from Him. Maybe, you, maybe you're, you're distracted. Maybe you're disillusioned. Maybe you, you're, you're, you're not bearing fruit. I don't, know, I don't know what it is, but I know that God has a message for you this morning. Would you please respond to Him by opening your hearts and allowing His Spirit to just come and to communicate whatever it is that He wants to tell you. Would you allow Him to do that? If you're sitting in here and you've never accepted that free gift of grace and salvation, today's the day. Open your hearts up and receive what God so desperately wants to give you. So as we close um, and, and, uh, the talk here, I just want to invite you into this time of response through song. Uh, if you would like to come forward and pray, we'd love to pray with you. The elders are here. Elders, would you please move forward and, and pray with them as, uh, as, as people come? We just want to pray with you. It's not a high-pressure thing. It's just we want to pray with you. So please just know that that's available, and please respond the way God wants you to respond. Let's stand and let me uh, offer up a word of prayer. Father, in heaven, you are so holy. You're so holy, but you're not so far out there that we can't approach you. You're not so far off in the distance that we, that, that we can't connect with you or have an intimate relationship. But, Father, you've provided this incredible opportunity through the power of your Son, through the blood and grace of your Son, Jesus Christ. We can have access into your throne room and have this intimate encounter with you. I pray that our hearts would be found soft this morning. I pray that as we stand here and we begin to engage in one last song, that whatever message you want to communicate to us, that we would receive that and embrace it because we know that you are a Father that is good, a Father that, is, that loves us so much, a Father that loves us beyond any love that we've ever experienced before. And I pray that we would just open up and receive that and allow you to just manifest your presence inside of our hearts. Father, if there are those in here this morning that are your children, but we've been disobedient, we're kind of far off, and we've, we're kind of disillusioned right now, we're discouraged, or we're frustrated, and all this other stuff, God, would you please help, Father, would you please help us to understand that that's not a spirit of you, and that the enemy has gotten into our camp. And help us to come to you and just ask for that. Help us to confess and repent of that and seek forgiveness from you. And so, Father, I pray that we would just, uh, again, just encounter you the way you want us to encounter you right now through this last song. May we just respond to your love and your mercy and your grace through the power of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.